This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. We are back after uh, Thanksgiving break. You know, thank you for uh, allowing us to take these little breaks here. Uh, spinning out the news each day can be exhausting, and it's nice to get away from it for a week, even though that's our job. But everybody deserves a break every now and then. Did you enjoy uh, your, your holiday, Sam? Yeah, it was, it was pretty nice. I made a duck for Thanksgiving. You made a duck. Yeah, I made a duck. I had never, uh, I'd never eaten duck. I never tried to cook duck, but I pulled it off. I made a pretty nice duck. You never even had duck at a Chinese restaurant? You never had Peking duck? No, no. I usually just get the boring stuff, lo mein or general so's chicken. Never, never, never gone with the duck before. It's good. Yeah. It's a, uh, what a moment for you. Yeah, it was, it was a good moment. It was a good moment. Made a nice Thanksgiving meal uh, for myself and my girlfriend. And uh, that was it. It was actually nice not having to travel. I mean, I, you know, miss the family. It'd be nice to, to hang out with uh, a bunch of friends and family this year. But there's a pandemic and all. And I got to say, I enjoyed staying home for the holiday. <laughs> enjoyed not having to drive eight hours or five hours like I normally do each year. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice uh, not leaving town. I have family in town, so I usually don't leave. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 nice not having to go anywhere or deal with uh, highways or train yeah, stations, look, planes, forward, trains, and automobiles. That's right. Looking forward to doing it again for uh, Christmas and New Year. Just staying my ass at home. All right. I'm already. I I roasted a turkey. It's already gone. Oh yeah, you ate you ate it's, it all. Uh, the leftovers never last as long as you think they do. Mm, yeah, I've still every got year. Some. It's like oh, the leftovers, the leftovers. No, they're they're gone in under a week. <laughs> the the Thanksgiving Day sandwich after Thanksgiving Day is where it's at. And uh, I I had a duck sandwich with some uh, stuffing and mashed potatoes on it and cranberry sauce, mm. and it was delicious. Uh, I do still have some leftovers, but probably not safe to eat anymore. We'll discuss later. It's Monday, November 30th, 2020. Here's the news. Joe Biden's White House team is starting to take shape, and already he's bringing in a number of shadow lobbyists. New York Times expose over the weekend connected a number of the president-elect's appointments to a powerful D.C. consulting group, as well as an investment firm, outfits that work with businesses interested in acquiring government contracts. These are lobbying firms that just don't describe themselves that way in order to avoid the paperwork. The consulting firm West Exec was founded by Anthony Blinken, who Biden tapped as a secretary of state. Another co-founder includes Michelle Flournoy, who is under consideration for defense secretary. The company has been cagey about its clients list, but according to the Times, it does represent an AI company that recently signed a multi-million dollar contract with the Air Force. Blinken and Flournoy were also advisors to the investment firm Pine Island Capital, which has stakes in all sorts of military and aerospace companies. 
Other West Exec alumni include Avril Haines, who has been nominated to be the next Director of National Intelligence, and Christina Killingsworth, a Biden transition official working to set up the White House Budget Office. Speaking of that, Biden has tapped the president of the liberal think tank Center for American Progress, Neera Tandon, to head the Office of Management and Budget, a powerful office that coordinates the president's economic agenda with spending priorities. Neera Tandon has a reputation of getting in Twitter fights at ungodly hours of the night, likely after drinking too much wine. Which, to be fair, is one of the most relatable things about her. Yeah, true. I can't really knock that. She also, though, has made a number of questionable moves during her time at CAP and as a political operative for Hillary Clinton. She once recommended forcing Libya to pay us back in oil for bombing them. She also once outed a sexual harassment victim during a company meeting at CAP, and she engaged in union busting, shutting down CAP's Think Progress blog not long after writers there secured a union. Tandon hates the left and opposes programs such as Medicare for All and Free College. She has also repeatedly voiced the need to make cuts to programs like Social Security and Medicare. During her tenure at CAP, she tied the organization to right-wing groups like the American Enterprise Institute and major corporations working in finance, worker exploitation, and war profiteering, as well as shady financial ties to foreign governments, including the United Arab Emirates, which had improper influence at the think tank, according to multiple now-fired CAP staffers. Tannen's nomination does require Senate confirmation. If any senators are listening to the show, please ask her why she has me blocked on Twitter. For years now, I've been blocked by Neera Tannen. Yes, and also ask Tandon if it was a coincidence that Sam Knight 1 was banned on the day that she blocked me for the first time. The silver lining to this story, the New York Times reported that Tandon will probably not have the votes to be confirmed, quoting staffers for Senate Republican leaders. So you will probably not see tweets from the official OMB account at 2.30 in the morning scolding the NLRB to be more friendly to management. Moving on to who Biden is picking to be the public face of his administration, his press secretary, the president-elect is going with Jen Psaki, another veteran of the Obama administration. Psaki finished out Obama's second term as his White House communications director. Since then, she has worked for CNN as an analyst. Before Psaki joined the White House, she served for two years as the press secretary for the State Department. That role involves a bit of District Sentinel lore. In late 2014, when we first launched our print news, RIP, we broke news about the State Department catching Saki on a hot mic trashing her own talking point, one defending the coup regime in Egypt for pardoning longtime dictator and U.S. ally Hosni Mubarak. You might recall how Mubarak was a big ally of the U.S. during the War on Terror, with his willingness to arbitrarily detain and torture people suspected of being Islamist militants. In 2011, Mubarak resigned amid popular mass protests, and his replacement, Egypt's first democratically elected president, Mohamed Morsi, was overthrown in 2013 in a military coup. Morsi died in prison last year. Anyway, here was Saki defending the coup regime for letting Mubarak off the hook before mocking her own efforts to defend the decision, thinking that it was being done in private. 
The other voices belonged to reporters, most notably AP State Department veteran Matt Lee and Al-Quds reporter Saeed Arikat. The clip is about two minutes long, and it jumps from Saki fending off their questions to the hot mic at the end of the press conference. Do you have any reaction to the court's decision dropping the charges against former President Mubarak? Well, generally, uh, we continue to believe that uh, upholding impartial standards of accountability will advance the political consensus on which Egypt's long-term stability and economic growth depends. But beyond that, I would refer you to the Egyptian government for any further comment. So you don't so, criticize at all? What, so, what does that mean? It means that in general, we believe <laughs> that courts like it means should nothing. be... In general, we believe that uh, impartial standards and the justice system should work as planned. Yeah. But I don't have any specific comment. But, 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 but did... I don't have any more specifics on but that. I, 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 wow, I don't understand that at all. What, what does that mean? You, you believe it? Of course you do. But was that what, were those standards upheld in this case? I don't have anything, any specific comment on the case. I'd point you, you to the Egyptian government. Served? You think justice was served? In I don't this have case? anything specific on the case. Can, can, can you see if the, can we ask for push push your people a little bit hard, harder? Because I mean, you you call for accountability and transparency all all the time from all, any number of governments, and, and and so if if no one is held to account. If no one is being held accountable for, you know, for, for what happened, it would seem to me that you would have a problem with that. And if there's more we have to say, Matt, we will make sure you all know. But I mean, what you have said that, the, what you said says nothing. I mean, it just uh, it's like saying, well, we support the right of people to breathe. Well, if that's we great. Have a but if further comments breathe, on the case, I will make sure all of you have it. Okay. Uh, Aren't you a little bit annoyed that the, the person who was elected by the Egyptian people, Mercy? is languishing in prison while the person who is accused of murdering hundreds of people is actually out on I appreciate your efforts, Saeed. I don't have anything no, further on this I, case. Saeed, I'm sorry, we're going to... All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. That Egypt one is ridiculous. <laughs> the audio of that hot mic was up for like two days before we broke the story. Every other video on our YouTube page has like 30 views. That one has over 330,000 Saki reacted to the story saying, quote, it's just the latest scientific evidence of global warming. Now we have to worry about hot mics. She also noted that then Secretary of State John Kerry sympathized with her, referring to a hot mic moment of his own. Whom amongst us has not been foiled by a warm microphone? And also the two Sams from the District Sentinel. Another Obama admin alumnus set for a major position in the Biden administration is Janet Yellen. The former Fed chair was named by the president to serve as his treasury secretary, which is kind of a relief considering that the Biden campaign was throwing around Wall Street names for the role, including executives like J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon, Blackstone's Tony James, and BlackRock's Lawrence Fink. Still, Yellen's record as Obama's Fed chair wasn't without criticism from the left. You might recall how the implementation of Dodd-Frank rules were delayed under Yellen, most notably the Volcker rule separating speculative investments from consumer deposits that are insured by the federal government. Moving on, Attorney General William Barr wants to cram as many executions as he can in before Trump leaves office on January 20th, assuming he does leave office. 
After resuming the federal death penalty for the first time in nearly two decades and rushing to execute eight individuals this year, the DOJ has scheduled another five deaths prior to Inauguration Day. They include the only female on federal death row, Lisa Montgomery, and Brandon Bernard, who was sentenced to death for a crime he committed as a teenager and would be the youngest federal inmate to be put to death in 70 years. The Justice Department is taking extreme measures now to brush aside any legal barriers to the executions caused by the controversial use of lethal injection. DOJ has rushed through a number of amendments that give prosecutors more leeway in determining method and location of executions to avoid certain state prohibitions. Under the changes, DOJ would be allowed to seek the death penalty via the electric chair or firing squad in states where those methods are still permissible. It would also allow judges to choose another state to host the execution if an individual was convicted in a state that doesn't allow for it. Those amendments to the DOJ's manner of federal executions could be finalized as soon as Friday and take effect 30 days afterward. If the scheduled death sentences are carried out, it would mark the most executions during a presidential transition since the late 1800s. Score one for the norm, respecters. FCC Chair Ajit Pai said today that he will step down early next year. The country's leading telecoms regulator issued a statement noting that his last day will be Inauguration Day, though he made no mention of Joe Biden's victory. Pai listed his accomplishments as FCC chair, including, quote, closing the digital divide and promoting innovation and competition. He made no mention of how he did either, though on the competition front, Pi's tenure saw the FCC approving of a major merger between Sprint and T-Mobile, which actually seems like the opposite of promoting competition. Pi also oversaw an agency reversal of net neutrality rules, which were, had been strengthened under the Obama era. The Hill noted that there's another Republican seat on the FCC to fill, in addition to the vacancy that will soon be left by Pi. President Trump withdrew the nomination of Michael O'Reilly, after O'Reilly clashed with Trump over the Communications Decency Act, Section 230 of the law gives internet companies immunity from lawsuits over good-faith moderation of content, and right-wingers are calling on this law to be changed because they keep getting banned for being racist. O'Reilly disagreed with Trump. Trump's new nominee, however, Nathan Simington, does not. Politico reported last week that over the summer, Symington reached out to Fox News host Laura Ingram to get, her, to get her to support his campaign against Section 230. Symington currently works for the Commerce Department. Ajit Pai leaving, that is a big suit to fill. Amazon continues to deal with labor unrest. Coordinated with the biggest online shopping weekend of the year, Strikes and protests were staged in 15 different countries from Bangladesh to the Philippines to Germany. The actions are aimed at forcing the company to treat its employees better and to raise awareness about Amazon's role fueling climate change. During the coronavirus pandemic, Amazon has seen its business boom. Its net income has tripled, but the company has passed only a fraction of those gains to workers. Amazon announced a $300 end-of-the-year bonus to full-time staff a $150 bonus to part-time staff. Nearly 20,000 employees have contracted COVID. Roughly 3,000 workers took part in a three-day strike in Germany that ran from Thursday to Saturday. 
Germany is Amazon's second largest market. Those workers are now preparing to go on a second strike beginning Monday night. Finally, the Fed and the Treasury Department announced today that several pandemic emergency lending programs will be extended into next year. The agencies finalized 90-day extensions of the Commercial Paper Funding Facility, the Money Market Mutual Fund Liquidity Facility, the Primary Dealer Credit Facility, and the Paycheck Protection Program Liquidity Facility. These programs, designed to help private sector borrowers, were set to expire on December 31st. The Fed and Treasury program designed to help public sector borrowers will still expire at the end of the year, and the closure is happening despite the fact that only two government entities have used the so-called municipal liquidity facility so far, the state of Illinois and the New York City Metro Transit Authority. Defenders of the program have claimed that it has stabilized private sector sources of financing, Got to protect those bank profits, even if it means austerity, killing even more people than it normally does with a pandemic raging. Fucking raging. If it were up to just the Fed, it's likely that the MLF would have been extended. The central bank is overseeing emergency lending programs alongside the Treasury Department. On November 19th, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said he would refuse to authorize the renewal of the MLF and at the Main Street Lending Facility, and he ordered the return of hundreds of billions in relief money that has yet to be spent by the Fed. The Fed said in response that it wanted the programs to, quote, continue to serve their important role as a backstop for our still-strained and vulnerable economy. That was uh, reported earlier this month by the Washington Post. Love that municipal liquidity facility news, that MILF news. Can't get enough of it. That's the newscast. Before we go, we've got some poetry to read for our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Subscribe now and you get your own haiku written for you and read on the air. If you subscribe at the $5 tier, you get access to all our bonus content and a free month subscription to Means TV, where you can catch Sam and I every Thursday morning for Means Morning News. This first haiku goes out to Remy. Is four days too long to eat leftover turkey? Asking for a friend. Thank you, Remy. This is for Olivia. Switch it up this week. Bread between your sandwich meat. Shirt on legs. Fuck it. Mm. Thank you, Olivia. This goes out to John. Joe Biden admin taps Ragnarok Lobster as the FBI chief. Thank you, John. This is for Pablo, the last haiku of the day. Coming to terms with the fact that next year also will be terrible. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you to Pablo and thanks to all the new subscribers. That's Patreon dot com slash district sentinel one last thing to do before we go it's check out the listener rant line hey sentinel gang it's white sax lex wanted to give an update on the awful pundits invitational right now it is in the semifinals with chuck todd versus tim pool and charlotte Clymer versus michael tracy 
I believe we are on track for a uh, Charlotte Climber versus Tim Pool finals match. Um, that will go up on Friday, December 4th and wrap up two weeks later. And then, uh, you know, we'll be coming up on the new year and the uh, heavyweight title uh, tournament to determine the worst pundit 2021 who will be taking the title from Jennifer Rubin. Maybe she'll retain it. Who knows? Um, so check it out, go vote. And, um, I hope you guys all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you, Slater. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving as well. Getting down to, uh, time of champions there over at the awful pundit tournament, Charlotte Clymer rounding, uh, rounding out into form here into the, into the semifinals and finals. She's going to be tough to beat. Yeah. I don't know if anyone has what it takes to, uh, to beat her. I mean, maybe Tim Pool does. Maybe Tim Pool does. Yeah. I don't know if it makes a difference that um, Tim Pool is 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 much more of a like he's much easier to laugh at because he's he he always uh, self owns. Yeah. Like when he goes on those rants about how uh, how he wants to have kids, but he can't because it's society's fault that he hasn't found. A partner it's definitely not his fault <laughs> definitely not that's the show call the rant line 202-684-6108 leave a message we will play it on air we're back tomorrow with a brand new newscast we're here in dc so you don't have to be